It's Sports by the Book at the South Point Studio. Here's Jeff Parles. Good morning. I'm Matt Never. No, I'm kidding. I'm Jeff Parles. <laughs> Happy to be with you today. Uh, Matt's on UNLV duty yes. this afternoon. I, the wind, the wind is still howling here in Las Vegas. Alex White is here as well. Uh, your game's up at Las Vegas ballpark, ballpark yesterday. Both got axed. Unfortunately, yes, both of them got axed. We do still have two today for our four teams that came all the way here for this uh, Vegas Classic. And the most unfortunate part of it is Frank didn't get to say Pittsburgh without getting punished. Well, we did. So we, when it was a rain delay at first, we okay. walked around the stands a little bit and talked to some people. And um, I had to keep him in check, though, because he was like, where's all my Pittsburgh fans? And I'm like... And Ohio State fans, <laughs> you know, but it was, a, it was a lot of fun. I'm excited to work with him out there at the ballpark. But he said that. He was like, well, I guess it's meant to be. They knew I was going to be a little bit of a homer here. So <laughs> he didn't get to work out that yeah. full game. Yeah. But UNLV was completely canceled early on. So they have a doubleheader today. Yes, they do. College baseball, by the way, uh, once we get through college hoops, uh, we'll have to, we'll have, may have to get my guy Johnny Venencia in to talk some college baseball. Fun uh, as well. I'd love that. Uh, as uh, we get uh, we get through a lot of things here. Uh, once college hoops is done, obviously NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, Major League Baseball will be fully in full swing. So uh, a lot to get to uh, with that. Lufa Nakara is by the way going to join us again in about a half hour. Hockey, very Some excited. UFC, a gigantic UFC card next week in Miami. Uh, two ninety nine UFC two ninety nine. Sean is excited back there. Uh, yet again, by the way, Sean, wearing the Race Day Las Vegas hat, which you hear before us on Saturdays and Sundays, starting at 7 in the morning Pacific time. And uh, I will say, the hat looks great on Sean. It does. It really looks good. He does a great job. He takes pride in that show. He um, is here every morning with Ralph to do that on, show. Don't, don't tell him. Don't, te- don't, don't, don't make him complacent, Alex. Come on. Oh, now. sorry. Yeah. You, gotta, gotta keep, you can always gotta, do better. Gotta, gotta, you can always gotta, do gotta, better. Got to keep our guy Sean motivated back there. I am excited to talk to Lou as well. I missed Friday. Yes. I was at the ballpark, but I hear he gave out some winners. So one, uh, he had he had one, or it was two, two big dogs that ended up coming home. Rivera was the only one that didn't have the big underdogs in the prelim card. Very good. Uh, Lake ended up winning, which was good. I can pronounce that. I can't pronounce Lake's last name. Uh, and then the other big dog uh, as well. That was over $5 uh, as well. Uh, college hoops yesterday, real quick, Alex. Uh, biggest thing for me, I uh, Jim Root, I'm uh, very close to conceding to him. Very close. Oh, you point. almost got so lucky. Uh, well, TCU you know, almost you know, I, pulled I, again, off the I, I, didn't, I didn't take into account that Kansas is going to have their worst conference here since it was legitimately the Big 8. Uh, they lose yesterday to Baylor. Baylor... Pretty much uh, locked into a top three seed now in the Big 12. Houston and Oklahoma in that conference. A uh, game that was totaled. <laughs> game that was totaled yesterday at 128 and a half. Lands 87-85 with 93 first half points. Just 172. How do you like yeah, that? Hey, look, uh, sometimes, sometimes there's uh, games that don't go by the script. And that one did not go by the script. Uh uh, uh, Jamal Shedd with a buzzer beater, or essentially a buzzer beater, a shot that went go went down with about a half second to go, gave Houston the big win. Cougars in full command in that conference, now a game clear of Iowa State. With having the tiebreak over Iowa State, they split their two meetings, but other tiebreakers uh, lead to the Cougars. If they went out, they'll get the one seed anyway without anything. Even if they tie, they'll still end up with the one seed. Iowa State... I almost got there in Central Florida yesterday. Iowa State with an 11-0 run over the last two minutes to win that game by eight. Pretty unfortunate if you had the Knights. 
felt like the right side the majority of the game didn't get there, though. Uh, late night, credit Gonzaga. I think they're safely in the NCAA tournament too. now. I always thought that them being on the last four in stuff was a little bit aggressive. I think clearly, even though they a year where they had, don't have as many quality wins, now they have three uh, quad one wins in the last three weeks, all road games. Kentucky, they counted San Francisco as a road game, even though it wasn't really a road game, but it counted. That was on there, big yeah. for them. <laughs> and then last night, they right side all the way through. Clearly, in Moraga with a good win. We'll get. We'll more likely than not get that rematch here next Tuesday here in Las Vegas. Now it makes it very interesting now that Gonzaga split that with St. Mary's. But I like how the announcers in that game they mention that that Gonzaga has uh, three quad one wins, and they they brought up a few other teams that don't even have one. And uh, I can think of a few already myself. But great win for them. I did mention uh, how is St. Mary's going to look in this one without. Joshua Jefferson compared to the first time they played them, and I do think it had an effect. But they'll make some adjustments, and they'll be ready for the championship game here in Las Vegas. Also, I, w I will bring this up real quick. Uh, Creighton played Marquette without Kolick uh, and another one of their big players. Uh, they uh, Marquette actually hung in that game for a long while. Creighton ended up winning, covering that game, winning by 14. Uh, I I'll give Marquette a whole bunch of credit. Uh, it was... Uh, uh, Ogadoro, who did not play in that game along with Kolick. Uh, but look, in the end here, we're still chasing Connecticut if, right. you're, if you're Creighton and Marquette. Marquette plays UConn this week in Milwaukee. You're going to need those guys back if you're going to stay in that game. Uh, I do want to uh, the Golden Eagles. I do want to ask you because Creighton's not my my favorite team, but uh -huh. I do see some numbers out there that I think are just wrong. I saw like thirty to one for them still. I, I don't know if they're title good. The, the number okay. that I saw, I saw dude, seven plus seven fifty to make the Final Four. Okay. Uh, I don't know if that's still around. That was there uh, earlier in the week. Uh, I still think that you're they're not going to be in a region with UConn, right? So that helps them. Purdue, I think they actually are one of the few teams that can actually match up pretty well with Edie because Kalkbrenner yes. uh, is one of the better plus seven footers in the country. Keep him out of foul trouble. You can actually stay in that game. Um, Houston, I think they match up okay with. I'll take them if they happen to be in the West with whoever gets the one seed. I take my chances there. I think yes. that's the better number. I don't think they're title good. I think they're too reliant. Uh, and again, this is kind of the thing. They're too reliant, even though they're great efficient-wise with two-point shots, I still think they're too reliant on having big shooting games. That's part of the reason they ran UConn out was they had that ridiculous shooting game uh, in Omaha that day. Uh, Tennessee beat Alabama as well. I, I think the Tide are going to be an, a, a team that when you get to the tournament, they're going to be a three seed probably. You get the right six or 11 seed in there. I, I think that's going to be one of those. If you're filling out your brackets, looking to make your bets in around the 32, I think you'd be willing to take an underdog shot against Alabama in around the 32 with just the way that they are so reliant on the three-point shot. And last night against Tennessee, they went 9 of 37, and they lost the game because of it. Right. And, well, I think Tennessee is really good too. They, I, Tennessee's got an outside, outside shot at a one seed now. If they win out and win the SEC tournament, by the way, they, they go to South Carolina this week. Revenge Ooh. spot after South Carolina went to Knoxville and beat them. And then they get Kentucky, who's just playing some absurdly good offensive basketball right now. 
I, I mean, if Tennessee wins those two games and then steamrolls yes. through and wins the SEC tournament in Nashville, it's going to be hard to keep them off the one line, regardless of what Arizona and North Carolina might do. Completely agree. What do you make that Tennessee-Kentucky total right now, top of your head? Uh, Ken Palm currently has 86, 78. That's 164. Probably add no, Sean. Could <laughs> end up there, but no. Uh, Sean put up a 205. Uh, what did that get? Yesterday, yesterday, Bama total, what, closed 173, right? I think um, you got you to go yeah. higher. Games in Knoxville, right. maybe you go... Maybe you go about the same okay. on that. Tennessee Tennessee is not allowed more, um, other than that Auburn game, is not allowed more than 74 points since the matchup against Kentucky, where they gave them 92. And a nice 195 in the first right. meeting between the two of them at Rubber Arena. I don't know. I, Kentucky yesterday played a game that was in the 200s again, 111-102. I know. So they're kind of at the point where it's like, okay, Against well, Arkansas, how about teams? Well, you know what, <laughs> So I was actually the only in-game bet that actually was good for me. When Kentucky was down by eight in the second half, I took a plus 140 money line, which was felt like kind of a gift. Yes. And they almost ended up covering the game as a, as a double-digit favorite. So uh, Kentucky, look, Kentucky's dangerous. Just a matter of them... I'm okay with doing this. Hey, we're not. We're just going to forget the defense. We're going to play when, defense when, when we need to. Arkansas went six minutes without a field goal in the second half. That's part of the reason Kentucky came back and won. Be elite at what you're elite at, which they are elite on offense. I, right now, I don't think there's – I know the numbers don't say it overall. They're seventh in adjusted offense in Ken Bob. They're the best offensive team in the country. Yes. I, I, I don't think there's much doubt at this point with the way that they have played. Uh, I think it's them, and quite frankly, I think obviously Purdue's up there. I think Illinois I might be the third best offensive team in the country. They got a really nice win yesterday in Madison against Wisconsin as the Badgers just continue to fall apart one, yep. down the stretch. All right, do you want to go to today? Let's, Let's go to today. Yes. Uh, UConn, speaking of another team that's really good across the board, how about this team on the Huskies today? <laughs> up to 15 and a half. On UConn at home against Seton Hall. Open 14. It's been all Husky movement here. Oh, wow. I, you know, I, I look, it's, I get it. They're destroying everyone in their path, especially at home. This game's in stores today, so it's on campus for UConn, not at the XL Center in Hartford. We're getting to the point where I might actually come back on Seton Hall. I didn't mind it actually. On the overnight at a smaller number. Now it's like, well, all right, this is Steam that's kind of telling me something. It just could be also blind stuff on UConn with how dominant they are, Alex. Well, and we do have a revenge factor here. Seton Hall did win the first sure matchup did. by 15, 75 to 60 at home. So I think that's factored in. I agree with the move. I did make UConn 17 point favorite here at home. So you've got the revenge, they're at home. And then you just mentioned it, they have Marquette up up next. So they are actually playing each of these games to keep that one seed here. So I can, I understand the move on the Huskies, but I mean, these are conference games. 15 and a half points is a lot of points. So I could understand taking that at, at that point as well. It's the only game at 9 a.m. local time here in Vegas, noon there in stores. It is senior day as well. Final home game for the Huskies. You did mention it. That first game which is the first game in conference play for both teams. Seton Hall won by 15. Klingon got hurt in the middle of that game. And Seton Hall really dominated the back ends of each half 
in that one in Newark. Uh, you know, Seton Hall is right on the bubble right now. I think they should be in. I think they have enough quality wins. They have that win against Marquette. They beat St. John's twice. Yeah. Uh, they they um, no. UConn. They beat UConn, of course, <laughs> as we know. Uh, just mentioning the other ones. So you have very a bunch of quality wins. If you, they're not going to win today. But if they flip around and beat Villanova in what is a monster bubble game next week in Newark. Winner of that game after Villanova really stomped Providence in the second half. Good one for you yesterday in that one. Um, it, it could Vicky's can end up with a few more bids than we expected here, especially especially if St. John's finds a way to sneak in the back door. Granted, they are playing the Paul and Georgetown this week, so they can only hurt themselves with those two games. I the Paul the Paul won the second half against Butler yesterday. They won the second half. Or no, they didn't. Ended up losing it by a point. See, so yeah, I. I I wish I'd, I wish that happened. DePaul 0 and 18 in conference uh, in the Big East, as we know. UConn 15 and two. They are going to be the one seed at Madison Square Garden, as long as they don't lose out, which they're not going to lose out. They'll well, be the number one seed at MSG. It's a good week coming up. You just mentioned a lot of really good games that we have in this conference alone, and then we've even got some conferences starting. So conference tournaments officially start tomorrow with the Atlantic Sun, Alex White. Uh, Sean has been betting the Atlantic Sun all year long, so he'll be the expert on that one. Jacksonville, Kennesaw State gets us rolling tomorrow. Uh, not the Kennesaw State team of a year ago that made the NCAA tournament and, quite frankly, should wow. have beat Xavier in a 3-14 matchup. All right, I want to go to the Mo Valley next. Final day to regular season here, and I'm going to start with a game that we have two-way action on the desk with. Where's Vinny? Northern <laughs> Iowa on the road in Carbondale to take on Southern Illinois. Salukis from four to three here. Alex, you like the Panthers getting the point. A lot of Panthers roaming around northern Illinois, northern Iowa, by the way. Uh, I, uh, I, I'm i going to go to the other end here. I actually just moved back to three and a half, did it? Yeah, just moved back to three and a half here at the South Point. I like Southern Illinois at three. There's some in the market. You like northern Iowa at the better number. I do. I like that the better number. Here at three... And three and a half, I would just I would pass because I I made Southern Illinois two point favorite. So even with that four, you're barely getting that value there. But revenge game for Northern Iowa. Both these teams are eleven and eight in conference. They're right there at the four and five seed. So big big game for both of these teams. Um, I just think it's going to be a very close game. They play pretty similar style. Southern Illinois, a little bit slower, but relatively. The same style. So I think that they can hang in there. Um, so I grabbed the four overnight. And uh, I'm on the three. You're I'm on. on the three. So I'll, uh, I'll have the game land four. That's okay. You can push. I can win. That's fine with me. Uh, with, uh, with that one on the Salukis. Uh, again, this conference, we'll keep it in the Missouri Valley, uh, even though these games are a little bit spread out. It's going to be a one-bid league. I would argue that both Indiana State and Drake are of quality of NCAA tournament teams pretty easily. Bradley, uh, I think you could even argue that as well if you wanted to. I, obviously, none of them are going to get at-large. Indiana State had an opportunity to possibly steal an at-large, but those back-to-back -back losses earlier in conference play against Illinois State and those Salukis we just mentioned really hurting them more than anything of a potential at-large. They're 14 against Murray State today. If Indiana State wins, they will be the number one seed in St. Louis next week in Arch Madness. I, I thought these numbers came right, personally. There was Agreed. Indiana State got bet up here from 13. Uh, I, I, nothing I can do here. All these feel right on this one. Sycamore is trying to close out a regular season title today. 
No, I completely agree. I This is right where I have these numbers, minus 13 and 150, so nothing for me in this one. But, yeah, Indiana State should take care of business today, that's for sure. Bringing up Drake and, Dred, uh, Drake and Bradley here, uh, this is the best game of the day by a wide margin in this conference. It's number two versus number three. As I mentioned, of course, we saw Drake in the tournament a year ago. Pretty similar team, all things considered. Tucker DeVries still there, who was their best player a year ago, who really got shut down in the NCAA tournament game against Miami. They're coming off a triple overtime win in in Chicago against UIC. Now they return home uh, to Des Moines to take on a Bradley team that has been quite good. Uh, winners of three in a row after a, a bad stretch where they had a loss to Evansville and a loss to Northern Illinois, uh, Northern Iowa mixed in there. And they also lost to this Drake team as well. That's part of the reason that I actually like Drake laying the four in this one against Bradley. We already saw this matchup. I think this is a bad matchup for Bradley. Just the way that Drake plays offense in this game, I think will give the Bradley defense a little bit of a problem. The one kicker to this, though, if Bradley is able to score the basketball, there, there is a weakness in this game is Drake's defense. Bradley's profile I'm a little more balanced than Drake's. I wouldn't be shocked if this game goes over that 149 and a half. That would be another angle I could potentially look at here, Alex. So I lean to taking the points here with the dog because what you just mentioned, Drake a little bit weaker on the defensive side. I mean, both these teams are playing very good basketball. Both of them are four and one straight up coming into this matchup. And Bradley has been very good on the road, eight and six straight up and seven and six against the spread. But then on the flip side, we have Drake, who is 11 and eight against the spread in conference. So I think it's going to be a great matchup. I don't know what to do with the total here. I could uh, see it going either way, but I made it right there at 148, so I'm not going to touch it. Let's, uh, let's go back to the Big Ten. Not the greatest of matchups here, Maryland and Indiana. Uh, we have talked about both of these teams. Indiana, uh, really just a disaster of a season any way you slice it. I, I would be surprised if Mike Woodson makes it the next year at this point with the way this season has gone for the Hoosiers. Uh, just playing it out, they did beat Wisconsin earlier in the week. Maryland losing to Northwestern at home. This is, uh, this is eight and a half. It's just a question of do you feel comfortable Playing that many points with Maryland against anyone in conference play, I do not. So this is a nice, good old-fashioned pass for me today. I think that number is right. It's interesting, right, Jeff? This Big Ten matchups we have today, we've got a lot of our 7-10 and 10 and 7-11 and 11 teams all playing each other right there, kind of in the 10-13 through 13 seeding in the Big Ten. So like you mentioned, not the best of games, but I mean, two of them, do have two of my favorite under teams, and Maryland is one of them. I usually bet their unders. Can't really do much now. It's 135 and a half. Um, liked it more at that 136 and a half overnight, but now really it's just a stay away. Before we get to some other Power Five games and also an American athletic game in men's college basketball, I do want to bring this up real quick. Of course, college game days in Iowa City today. Caitlin Clark's going for the record, record. of overall. Point scores, men's or women's, looking to break the record of Pistol Pete Maravich that has stood for a very long time at this point. Uh, I'll ask you this, Alex. I don't know if you did any work on this. Uh, these are two legitimate top 10 teams going at it today, Ohio State and oh. Iowa. Uh, excellent teams here. Uh, one book in town is Iowa 7 with a total of 169 and a half. 
on this one. The other props as well. Uh, how will Caitlin Clark break the record? Three-point shot plus 145. Two-point shot plus 165. Free throw plus 260. Which quarter will she break the record? Right now, the third quarter is the favorite at plus 185. First quarter is four to one. Second quarter is plus 235. And then fourth quarter plus 275. It's from our friends over at the Westgate on this. So Iowa is the is a favorite, seven-point favorite. They should be, yes. And okay. they are. I think I would lean to taking the points here with Ohio State with the um, game day being there, all the big news on Iowa. I've watched Ohio State play a couple times. They are very good. They should be top 10 right now. So well, Number two in the AP poll. Seven points can hang around in this one. Right, right now, uh, Charlie Cream, who is the the women's bracketologist for ESPN, the counterpart, the counter uh, part of Joe Lenardi, uh, just for reference, South Carolina is going for an undefeated season today. I I would be stunned if they don't get there today. Uh, just uh, incredible the work that Don Staley has done there over the years. Yet again, uh, losing all that talent from a team that was the number one overall seed a year ago. They play Tennessee. Not your same Tennessee team has historically been on that one. Ohio State is the number two seed and number two, number one seed. So the second best team, according to Charlie Cream. Iowa is a two in the region with Stanford right now. I, I'm with you. I, I, I know that there's a tax to be paid with Iowa at this point. Right. When you're betting them, if you're looking at the women's side, seven's just too many points. I actually would take the seven with Ohio State uh, in this one as well. I understand you could be running into a buzzsaw here, especially if this is one of those games where Clark goes for 45-plus, which is absolutely in play. But, you know, give me seven points. I, I, this game can be tight, and Iowa still wins. You get there pretty easily getting seven on that one. All right, back to the men's side of things here, Alex. Speaking of breaking records, you yeah. do have to bring up uh, LeBron James as well. 40K last night. First player in NBA history to do it. I think the bigger takeaway from that game is that the Nuggets still own the Lakers. Like I mean, the Nuggets. And on the NBA side of things here, before we get back to the, the college side, the Nuggets, who have had this quote-unquote lackluster season by some analytic numbers out there, they're only a half game behind o but Minnesota, tied with Oklahoma City now, winners of six straight. The NBA the, the road to the NBA title still goes through Denver, Colorado. That's right. Um Boy, what a sense oh, yeah. that is. I know they just won it, but still, <laughs> historically speaking, for the Nuggets. Uh, but it still goes through Denver. And they they sh they are the second favorites to win it all right now. They're the favorites in the Western Conference, and that's correct. I think we're yes. stumbling towards a Boston-Denver final, for what it's worth, Alex. I really do think we're on our way there. As much as I would love to see Boston lose in the Eastern Conference side yet again, uh, for bets reasons more so than anything, I it, I think we're getting chalk with Denver and Boston getting there when it's all said and done. The chips seem like they're falling in place, right, yeah. for Boston this season more than ever. Unless uh, Milwaukee can really get it figured out, which they have been better as of late. So they may be able to take them in a seven-game series. But B Bucks have won five in a row all after the All-Star break. So seemingly gelling a little bit better after that ridiculously awful start with Doc taking over for Adrian Griffin. Uh, the big thing right now... In the East, I would say, is can Milwaukee shift to that two-seat, get that home court guaranteed for both rounds? They're tied with Cleveland right now. Cleveland percentage points ahead, and Cleveland has the tie break, so Milwaukee has to finish ahead by a game of the Cavs in order to get two-seat. Knicks struggling right now. Jalen Brunson's been out the last few games as well. 
Sixers holding on for that five seed. Miami at the six, Orlando and Indiana seven eight. Uh, the Bulls will still play in a playing game potentially, and potentially have a shot to steal a playoff spot as well as they would play the Hawks right now in the nine ten. Trey Young's likely out the rest of the season with his thumb injury that he suffered a few days ago. I've been amazed. Them they've still won a few games without him, Atlanta. So they they're still hanging in there in that spot. Two games clear of Brooklyn, who has just been an abject mess over the last two months or so after a pretty good start to the season. All right, back to college hoops. East Carolina, North Texas, AAC ball here. North Texas, nine, Alex, at home against East Carolina. Again, North Texas, I, I think, is be- it, they're better than the record shows. Only three games over 500. They We know what they are. They're going to slow you the heck down. They're excellent on defense. They're not particularly good on offense. It's a nine and a 123. So it just tells you all you need to know here in this one. I think you're okay going under that 123 still. I went under um, 124 last night, but I still like it here. I mean, I think it's going to be a very slow game. We've seen uh, North Texas trend to the over a little bit, but that is because they've been playing teams like Memphis and SMU and teams that actually force them to. Tulane. Tulane, <laughs> exactly. So now that they have a team in East Carolina that will slow it down with them, I think you're okay going under this total. Um, East Carolina's 19-8 and eight to the under, 4-1 and one to the under in their last five. So similar styles, and uh, it's going to be a hard one to watch. But. By the way, bringing this up real quick in the American, South Florida, credit to them yesterday. I thought that was a, an absolutely horrible spot for them. I coming, thought I was doomed, yeah. Uh, yeah. On, oh, the, on the road against the pretty good team in Charlotte. And after the first five minutes, they just destroyed the 49ers in that game. Winning by 15, not even a shadow of a doubt. Really good win as an underdog. They're 15-1. and one. I, I mean, they're going to be close to a double-digit favorite against Tulane. They're going to be favored on the road at Tulsa next week, weekend as well. Uh, they, they're probably going to go 17-1 in conference. And I know that their analytic profile is not good. I know that their non-con was not good. They do get helped out by the fact that it looks like Loyola might win an A-10 regular season title at this point, which would be gigantic for South Florida if that were to happen. But boy, it is it is going to be hard for the committee to, to keep them out if they lose in an AAC final to a Florida Atlantic, which could very easily play at this point. Right now, in the AAC standings, South Florida is going to get the one seed, and it looks like FAU is going to get that two seed. So they could very easily be on the crash course to play each other in uh, Fort Worth a week, well, two weeks from today on Selection Sunday. I think they deserve to be in, definitely, whether they win this or not. But the way they're playing, I mean, they should take care of business. And um, I think they can handle Florida Atlantic. We've seen them. Beat them already once. Beat them already once. And then Florida Atlantic lost to Memphis. So they're just two and two in their last four games. So I think South Florida will be in the tournament in March. Entering yesterday, this is up. This is not updated as of now. I did see what Lenardi said yesterday. Uh, Providence was the last team, and Villanova beat them. So Villanova hopped Providence. Providence would be out, according to Lenardi, right now. Gonzaga moves from the last four into the last four buys on the virtue of both Wake Forest and Virginia both losing yesterday. Uh, and Seton Hall I moved up for the time being. Uh, I would imagine they may just move back after they take it on the chin probably from UConn this morning. Where did you say Virginia was? They seem to be a big I think I, At this their... point, for the sake of all of our eyeballs, I would hope Virginia <laughs> finds a way to miss the tournament. Uh, right now for Virginia, they are, Ken Palm has Virginia at 70th. 
which, quite honestly, I'm actually surprised they're that high because of how bad their offensive metrics are, and their defense just keeps sliding. They're down to ninth overall. They play only they only play Georgia Tech then the ACC regular season. But if they do lose that game, they're going to be in big trouble because yes. then they probably have to win a game or two in the ACC tournament in Washington, D.C. this year. Because that's what we think of when we think of the ACC, uh, of course, Alex. Um, a few more before we bring our guy Lou Finacaro in to talk some hockey. Um, Ohio State hosting Michigan on the men's side. It's up to 11. I, I know Ohio State's been playing a lot better since firing Holtman and having Diebler be the, the interim head coach. Michigan has just been an abomination this year, especially away from Ann Arbor, where in conference play, they have not won on the road, and they have barely played within single digits as well. Their closest road score is six, and that was the game that was not really a road game played in Penn, in Philadelphia against Penn State. Uh, Alex, with, hey, this just feels like it's too much, but I don't want to come back the other way. They've only covered in three of their 15 road games yeah, as not well. Good. So it does it does feel like a lot, but I think that number is correct. And I think Ohio State is the right side here. Michigan won the first matchup, of course. That was before the firing of the head coach for Ohio State. So a little bit of revenge, but I mean, can't do much with that. But yeah, total um, just right. I made a little higher, 146 and a half. Can't really do anything there, but I think Ohio State's the right side, even at a double-digit number here. Rutgers on the road in Middle America to take on Nebraska today. We know how good the Huskers are at home. They're nine-point favorites in this one. Totals 140. I, I actually would lean to the home team in this one, even though it's a big number, just because we've talked about with Nebraska. They are a dominant force at home. Uh they're an okay team on the road. They didn't cover earlier in the week against Ohio State, who beat them and covered. Uh, Rutgers, that offense has just gotten comically awful recently, other than a home game against Michigan earlier in the week, which you can't take much of anything from that. So 276 and Ken Palm's not good <laughs> for that Rutgers you, you, you offense? Sh you, you shortchanged them to 275, Alex. 275. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, that is just brutal. And they're fourth and defense. If they were just mediocre on offense they'd be a tournament team right and they're beyond awful uh, on offense this year third and defense though that's how i went under this and then the total is actually going away from me so i'm against the market but i love this under 140 i made it 133 and a half between these two um but rutgers i mean we you just mentioned it bad offense good defense it leads to um unders here they're 19 and 9 to the under this year both of them play relatively the same, a little bit quicker on offense, slow it down on defense, um, forcing opponents to 18.5 seconds per po possession. So I like this under as well. It's two unders for me today. Yesterday was a big totals day for me, sure and I'm was. just going to keep it going. One last one I want to hit. Colorado-Stanford, final game of the night in its own window at 6 o'clock Pacific time, 7 local in Boulder, 12 and a half. There's some 12 out there as well, 156. A Ultra important game for Colorado, where they're squarely on the bubble. Their metrics are pretty good. They are top 30 in both Torvik and Ken Palm right now. If Colorado wins out and gets to the Pac-12 semifinals, they probably will sneak in and get to Dayton. But it starts here with a game against Stanford, who has been, a, again, a monster disappointment. Kind of surprised that Gerard Haas is still there. 12 and a half, 156. It would be a pass for me in this game. Alex. It's tough. This late in the season, right, these numbers are so tight. And when you're making your own numbers, 
they're getting closer and closer to the book. So really nothing for me in this one as well. I think both of those are correct side and total. All right. We'll take a quick break. When we get back, Lou Finacaro joins us next, talking some hockey. We'll also look ahead to UFC 299, a huge card as well. Our guy, Sean's guy, Sean O'Malley. See, Sean, Sean, different spellings though on those. Uh, is in action. Uh, Kevin Holland, Dustin Poirier, big card. We'll look ahead to that as well. Lufa Nakaro joins us next. Sports by the Book. From the South Point studio. <laughs> the perfect blend of sports. But I think the Niners are going to wear them down. Detroit Pistons lost their 36 games. Comedy. See over under on that relationship lasting. I'm going to put mayo in the coffee. Yeah. I am beautiful. And a whole lot of Pittsburgh. In Pittsburgh. 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 Yeah. Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh. Join Ryan McCormick. That's at least two picks outside of our own in the first round next year. Oreo. And host Frank Nicotero. <laughs> <laughs> I look at the clock. I go, ah! Ah! Oh! Watch Punchlines live at noon every weekday. Once you've satisfied your hunger, get ready for more of the hottest casino games in Vegas. Our 24-hour, 30-table, non-smoking poker room proudly hosts all the most popular poker games with a variety of betting limits. Visit the poker room for a schedule of daily tournaments. Whether you're going to hold them or fold them, the best place for poker is at South Point Casino. You'll notice that our craps tables are usually the loudest in the casino. If you've never played, join one of our free craps lessons to find out what makes this game so exciting. Check with the craps dealer for schedules and give it a roll. Bingo is also an exciting way to spend your time. We offer seven sessions of bingo every day. And each session includes a cash ball jackpot, 12 bingo games, a progressive double action game, and a $10,000 bonus coverall. Electronic units are available. If you haven't played bingo with us, give it a try today. Guests can also get in on the action at our one-of-a-kind race and sports books. Two separate rooms designed to maximize your experience and comfort. Our sports book, with over 400 seats, puts you right in the middle of the action, 24 hours a day. Welcome back in. Sports by the Book is the show. South Point Studio, the site. Shout out to the crew. Uh, our our Dynamic duo back there today. Uh, Drew Dog on the uh, on the audio. Sean doing a great job as we've talked about in the hat. <laughs> big big hat day for our guy Sean back there. Who um, Sean? You had a winning day yesterday, didn't you? No. Nope. Oh, okay. I tried to be nice. <laughs> um, Alex White is here now, joining us as well. Lou Finacaro back in the fold. It's good to have you back on, Lou. Uh, as always. Uh, Having a nice trip in Vegas right here on property at the South Point. It's uh, it's always great to come here. I live in Phoenix. The difference between the two cities is very, very slight. The one thing uh, Phoenix has been able to, over time, catch up with the growth and the infrastructure is just a slight bit ahead. The traffic here is that we're still working on traffic, but they're they're doing a good job and uh, you know, it's it's part of the plan, but hanging at the South Point, you hardly have to go anywhere else. How are the sports books doing there in Phoenix? I know there's a couple that we don't have here in Las Vegas, right? We well, have- it's a newer age. The newer age, obviously, the uh, the DKs of the world. The, the yes. Yeah. Down there. So, it's a, I would imagine it's just, of course, old, we're 
classic style booking here at the South Point. Uh, and, uh, and obviously it's a little bit different down there because it's all mobile too, correct? It, it is. Part. It's uh, No, we, we have... Uh, There's some brick and mortars? Yes. Uh, in fact, DraftKings just put a, a physical location at TPC. I haven't been there yet. And then down by the baseball and uh, uh, basketball stadium, there's a couple. Uh, and they're great. And, and you know, I was bragging up here uh, to some of my friends uh, that I wasn't using DraftKings and that I was happy with the more traditional uh, out, outfits. And they called me crazy. And, and I respect these guys. So I immediately jumped into some of those newer books. And, boy, the menu really is such that I believe it's extremely difficult with the, with the vast menu they offer to keep on top of everything. So there are some opportunities in those. That said, if you want authentic, classic, reputable mm -hmm. experience bookmaking, it's hard to beat the South Point right here. 100%, 100% uh, on that for sure. Uh, yesterday, you, some of your bombs came through on, uh, on the UFC. You know, when you're betting plus 550 and plus 330, you know, you're holding your breath that one can come, and the first two actually worked yeah. for us, and then a couple failed. But uh, Raskabov... Loik, we'll call him. Yep. <laughs> uh, he started it off plus 155. And then, uh, of course, uh, Zahabi came in at plus 550. And, and again, if you're shopping some menus, we also had a small amount on him via decision at 1150. So really, when you hit a couple of those, you can afford to slip on ice with a few of the other <laughs> bombs, which we did. It was an overall good day. Turn the page and now a really big card upcoming right. this week. So uh, it, just like basketball college basketball or any other sport uh, what what we did yesterday doesn't mean too much it's what have you done for me lately that's right do you want to start there yeah Jeff, let's, let's start week? with the ufc and uh just look looking uh ahead gigantic card huge ufc 299 miami the site for this one uh just looking at the main card well it's pretty good when uh when peter young is young is in the Earliest fight of the night. And, and that's, <laughs> you picked a perfect yeah. fight. Uh, first of all, we're in Miami. Yeah. So what do we have? We have a larger cage. We were in the apex yesterday, mm -hmm. the 24-foot cage, 25-foot cage. Now we're in a 30-foot cage. More room, a lot of fans, more adrenaline for the fighters. These fighters love to compete in front of the fans. And so we need to know, because there's about two or three really uh, deep, uh, heavily, populated with world-class fighter gyms in Florida. We need to know who those fighters are. And in the Peter Yan, Song Yadong fight, we don't have a fighter from Florida, so we eliminate that. Yan's a Russian. Song Yadong comes in from Team Alpha Male in California, but that's a very compelling fight. And the winner of that elevates themselves to top three or four in the Bantamweight division. The loser mm -hmm. probably falls a little. Yadong, smaller, larger, faster, and an underdog, which I find a little bit surprising here. But his price is starting to meld away. So I would suggest where you can find Song Yadong plus 115 or 120, I'd scoop it up now because I believe by fight time that could be a little bit closer to pick him. <laughs> these, see, these are the names I know. We talked about this a little <laughs> bit on Friday because uh, Gilbert Burns is in action as well. Uh, I, I don't want to call it. I know he's Brazilian. He fights out of the state of Florida. So yep. a little bit, a little bit. I don't want to call it home 
home field, but it's pretty close here for Burns uh, against the Australian uh, Jack Della Maladelena here in this one, uh, the welterweight. Again, yes. this is, this is th these are quality of fights down <laughs> oh. the card that would be main events at most of these other cards. And here to this, there's three fights after this one. That's right. And and really, uh, this 299 card is so so deep. Just like you say, all of these are main event quality type fights. Uh, uh, Della Maddalena coming out of Australia. He has the travel. He's probably got a little recency uh, because he's he's fought well. He's primarily a striker. He had trouble a few back with this kid, Hafez. Now, part of it was because Hafez and he had to take the fight on short notice, but Hafez was heavy wrestling. Gil Burns, a Brazilian who lives in Florida. Now, the Brazilian population in the gyms in Florida are deep, and so uh, this is going to be a home crowd for him and fighting. He doesn't have any travel to deal with. Uh, Burns probably surely the more experienced fighter, and he's been in with a much higher level of competition. This should be a really excellent fight, and uh, that fight is lined pretty tightly as well. I'm seeing right now uh, Burns opens minus 130 now. Della Madalena's minus 135. Okay. I'm not so sure I agree with that. I'll be taking a look at Burns throughout the uh, handicapping process this week. What about um, the next? So we've got Michael Page, impressive record. He's 21 and two, but this is a name even I know. We've got Kevin Holland fighting against him. Right, two uh, strikers primarily. Page uh, made a lot of waves recent uh, in his previous career because he's a Bellator fighter. This will be his debut in the UFC. Mm -hmm. They give him Holland, and and these two guys are going to. Uh, they'll move around and each try and create enough distance for them to unleash bombs upon one another. Uh, I like Holland in the fight because he's the pedigreed UFC athlete. He fights at 170 now. He's comfortable fighting at 85. He'll be slightly larger. And while Page is uh, capable and quick and fast, precise with his strikes, I think that this might be a little bit too much for him to chew this early on. The co-main, Dustin Poirier in action here against Benoit Saint Denis. Uh, with boy, again, I just all these fights, like <laughs> like I'm saying, these names that even the casual UFC watchers like Alex and I know, and and this is uh, a, another heavy, uh, awesome matchup in the lightweight yeah. division. Great matchup, Saint Denis, a Frenchman. He's uh, from the French uh, paramilitary, so he's got a military background. He's de really decorated. He's huge for the weight class, and he enters white hot, just completely dominating fighters. He opened uh, in this fight actually minus 140. He's now minus 185. To me, that is complete disrespect for Dustin Poirier. And at openers, when Poirier was plus 125, I, you know, I'll always put feathers in my hat when I'm way ahead of the number. I released Poirier plus 125. You can get him now plus 155. I'm going to watch this fight through the week. And at the apex of this, I'll come back with more on Poirier. Mm -hmm. He just has too much experience. He's been in with the lead of the division for many years. And I believe St. Denis, who's a guy that gets hit, is going to get hit in this fight. And I see and view Dustin Poirier as, as really getting disrespected and in a live spot. Sounds like a good one. Now, I'll let you because you're excited about this. Well, the Sean, Sean back there is the most excited of all this. Sean O'Malley, uh, colorful to say the least, in, in action here 
Uh, main event, Marlon Vera, the opponent here. Uh, just the early thoughts as we uh, are about a week away now. Vera's a dog. Vera want, this is a five-round fight. Mm -hmm. In O'Malley's past, if there's a chink, it's that uh, if taxed, he can start looking at the time on the clock in the third round. Now, this is a five-round fight. That's Vera's goal. Vera wants to take him deep, try and tucker him out, and see what he can do late in the fight. Now the question will be, can Vera get it late? O'Malley is fast. He controls distance with great control. Excuse the redundancy. This is a large cage, so he's going to have plenty of room to move, and he's precise and powerful with his strikes. So uh, I think it's going to be a tough challenge for Vera here. I'm still handicapping this fight. O'Malley fights out of Phoenix's MMA lab, one of the one of the best gyms in the whole country. And uh, I think that O'Malley deserves to be the favorite here, despite the fact that in their first fight, O'Malley was injured and technically took the loss. I think he'll come in focus trying to solidify his position in this 135-pound division and then look for bigger fights. And surely the UFC wants to continue to keep catch lightning in the bottle with O'Malley's popularity. Among the young people like <laughs> Sean behind the glass, my son who's 27, I mean, O'Malley's going to get bombed as we get closer to the fight. You said you gave out one already. Can people find these plays? Do you, or do you tweet them? or yeah, uh, Gamblue.com is okay. my webpage. And so go to Gamblue.com and check us out there. Each Monday, I do a sneak peek podcast. It's a play on words for sneak peek. And so Monday, I'll drop a podcast with all the opening line observations for this whole fight. And I'll, I'll also give insight there. There's always a release on that podcast as well. Love it. All right. We're going to turn to hockey now because um, I've been looking forward to this. So we had you on, Lou, and you kind of talked about how you handicap regular season and then playoffs because it's like two seasons. Can you just review that for me really quick? In the regular season, because of scheduling, for instance, there's games today back-to-back -back where a team played at home last night, got to travel, say, to Minnesota from San Jose. And so the need for overtime and uh, the tax on the athlete is too much. So they had to modify. And so uh, overtime now is three-on-three, three, plenty of ice, plenty of room. And the regular season, because there is less intensity, there's more room to skate, is in no way resembles the postseason when there's five on five and they play till someone wins. In the postseason, it's a much more defensive game where a goaltender, a hot goaltender, can make the complete difference. Whereas the regular season, they shuffle between both their goaltenders if a team's happy enough to get them. So with the dynamic difference between the two seasons, I usually hesitate and, and wait for my investment until the postseason starts. Now, the trade deadline comes up in about five or six days. Mm -hmm. That'll give us a great insight into how each team views themselves, who's going to pick up defensemen that needs them, who's going to try and get a goaltender that needs them, i.e. Uh, the New Jersey Devils, amongst others. And so after those moves are made, There'll be a little bit of time where these new players have to gel with their teams, but I'll get way more involved in some daily investment once that trade deadline is made and I can view how each team uh, looks at itself. Calgary is going to be selling off. They're not okay. going to make the playoffs. So where are all those players uh, going to go? 
Well, it's, it's interesting uh, just looking at the East real quick because it would be five out of the Atlantic at the moment. There's Tampa and Detroit. Uh, Detroit would be the, the first wild card. Tampa would be the second wild card right now. You mentioned New Jersey. They had a gut punch loss on Friday against the Ducks. Where they, did they? I mean, Hughes with a, with, with, a, uh, with a penalty shot at the end of regulation doesn't get it to go. They lose that game to a bad team. Uh, right now in that Metro... You mentioned the Devils. They could sell if they have another bad week here. Uh, the Capitals, Alex's nemesis this year, um, they're in kind of no man's land. And then sit the Islanders, who have won three in a row, <laughs> and right now are only five points behind Philadelphia for that third slot in the, in the, in the Metro and have two games in hand. So this is a little bit of a an unclear picture right now for some of these teams in the Metro of what exactly they may or may not do. Yeah, and I'm glad that it is. I mean, a team like the Islanders, there's four, there's a team that plays uh, playoff-style hockey. Mm -hmm. They have a hard time scoring, but, boy, they're greatly defensive. And so what happens in overtime and they go three-on-three? Three, they're overmatched. They've lost 14 overtime games. You take that team and put them in the playoffs, and they're going to scare, I don't care if it's Carolina or Florida. Mm -hmm. But... Will they be able to get there? Now, the three in a row helps them, but they're still, what, five or six points out? And five, so they've yeah. got work to do in these last 20-some games. But uh, And if Jersey picks up a, a goaltender like they've been trying to do, or at least the rumors out there that they're making calls on goaltenders. So if, if Jersey can get a goaltender, gel, and win games, and if the Islanders can just find their way in, which could be a tall task for each team, I think they're very, very dangerous. Staying there in the Eastern Conference, any other teams that you think are definitely buyers and teams at the bottom maybe that are sellers before the trade deadline? Yeah, I, I mean, uh, I think right now Florida and Carolina are two apt teams. They're both mm -hmm. shopping a little. It'll be interesting to see what do they do, if anything. Because Florida was there last year, I love their coach. They got to the finals against uh, our own Las Vegas Golden Knights. Didn't quite get there. These kids dream since they're five years old of getting to the cup and hoisting. And so that taste in Florida's mm -hmm. mouth, I think, uh, coupled with the great leadership they have, uh, is gonna, they're going to be a tough team to beat in the East. Uh, Carolina, I mentioned, I think Boston gets a little overlooked simply because they're there every year. But it's it's Florida, in my opinion, that has the target on their back. And they're getting hot at the right time. They're 14-2 and two in their last 16 games since January 22nd. So I, I'm with you Playing there. good, it's, coming uh, right into the important part of the season. Well, and also, too, uh, you, you mentioned this and what you were talking about at the beginning, where some teams are built for the 82-game season but are not built for the best of sevens. Florida is kind of built for both. Uh, and we talked about it a little bit on Friday where – you know what? It, it would two good things happened to them last year. They sneak into the playoffs through the back door, get to the Cup Finals, and then get their teeth kicked in in the Cup Finals. So they had a little bit of experience of playoff success and then playoff failure, and now here they are with an outside shot of winning the President's Trophy. I mean, I really can't add to that. That's a perfect <laughs> recap of what happened to them. And and again, those kids, all they want to do is hoist, and so th I think they're very focused. And that's all they want to do. Now, they've got some teams they're going to have to get by, Boston, Carolina. Again, I'm not mentioning a Toronto. Why do I – I don't regard Toronto as a team erected 
uh, or complete enough to compete in the second season. Will they win another series this year? Maybe, probably. They are very good. And the, and the young man, Austin Matthews, played Little League in Phoenix with my son, for crying out loud. So I love the kid and his talent. But why won't that team put some defensemen behind them for crying out loud? Yep, and it's been a problem throughout the years. But let's move to the Western Conference. Sure. Um, Golden Knights are struggling a little bit. We're still out without Eichel and Stone now. There's been a couple other teams, and that's Colorado, just 8-8 eight and eight in their last 16 games. And then we have some sneaking up here now, and, and that's the Nashville Predators, who right now would be the first wildcard team, and then the Los Angeles Kings' first wildcard team team where do you see the western conference right now who do you like the most and uh or who do you see sneaking up i think it's been tough on the knights uh not only because the target on their back that they've won but their short history is so fertile so every, they're getting everybody's best mm -hmm. shot now you lose the heart and soul stone coupled mm -hmm. it with eichel now you have marcia marcia show excuse that pronunciation it, it, but it's not enough uh, what will the Knights do? Their ownership's been very aggressive. I expect them to do something. So I'll be watching how that happens. And right now, uh, Calgary's Tanov, a big, strong, physical defenseman, went to Dallas. That is a huge move because Dallas can use a little size and a little weight to go in front of Ottinger. Yep. And Dallas was a team that got all the way there last year but got their teeth kicked in by Las Vegas. So to answer your question, Alex, I'm, I'm high on Dallas right now, and I think the other team that you mentioned, even though they're uh, 500 lately, uh, uh, Colorado can't be overlooked. Right. Just so much talent on the abs. Uh, and in the end, of course, they have the championship pedigree, winning it two years ago. Right. Uh, I know we, we talked about this a little bit on Friday, but the, the Oilers are just, again, power ratings-wise, super high. They, like you, like you, I think you said this on Friday, but they're very similar to Toronto in their makeup. Weak goaltending, unbelievable skill sets, but we have seen postseason failure after postseason failure for them. Yes, and, and I, I do view Edmonton similarly to Toronto. Uh, both teams really equipped for success in the regular season. And it'll be interesting to see uh, what they do, the oil, before the trade deadline right. as well. I mean, one of these teams, Toronto or Edmonton, picks up, I mean, I can't believe Tanev didn't go to the Oilers. Of course, Calgary and Edmonton, there's no love lost there. So maybe that was never going to happen. But surely Edmonton shopping for the blue line, at least their management group is aware what they need as opposed to Toronto's that is seemingly unaware. Sean, do we have any of the futures for hockey? I'd be curious to see what Dallas is right now. I like all those points you made about the Stars. And Ottinger, he hasn't even had the type of year that he had last year. So there could be a turning point where, you know, he could just be unstoppable. And he has a good backup with Scott Wedgwood, too. They have a good duo there. Now, they've lost nine overtime games. Does that put them in the category of being a good playoff team and ready for that five-on-five? Five? I believe so, coupled with the fact that they were – there last year right. again those kids dream of getting to the cup finals and now you couple that or compound that with Ottinger that really had an unbelievable regular season and he spit up on himself last year that yes. kid wants to get back and I will tell you he's going to stand on his head if the stars and when the stars get into the playoffs Ottinger for uh, MVP of the of the series the final series 
would be a, a great future consideration. You'll get that long if you Con, bet it Con early. Smythe, yeah. Con Smythe, yeah. Right now, Dallas at 10 to 1 to win the cup. They're they're alongside the Rangers right now, who well, they'll surprise the Rangers odds haven't dipped a little bit over their hot streak as well. The question with them has been, it's not been the old-fashioned uh, Ilias Shesterkin so far this year, but we know how how good he can be when he's right. That's a dangerous team in the East that we haven't mentioned much. Yes, and I'm, I'm remiss in not yeah. mentioning yeah. them because they're right there, and they just yesterday signed Quick. Mm-hmm. So now Quick's staying there. He okay. is a terrific men- mentor to, to uh, Igor. Uh, you notice how I mm-hmm. avoid trying to butcher his last name. A guy with a last name like mine shouldn't be butchering last names. <laughs> anyway, uh, Igor is good. Quick only compounds and helps him, supplements him. Uh, the Rangers should not be overlooked by any stretch of the imagination. A team that made the playoffs last year and, and have switched up on their coaching, and I think it's a fresh uh, good look for them. Lou, before we uh, before we uh, get out of here for today, I want to I want to just shift course real quick because yes, we're in the NFL off season. Mm-hmm. Of course, uh, uh, you're an NFL better during during the fall. Uh, what do you look for in the off season when you're going through when you're just seeing all right free agency, the draft? What in the off season impacts how you are power rating going into the following season? Thank you for asking that question. I am a huge proponent. <clears throat> that I might as well read Aesop's fables than try and handicap the draft. Okay. Now, there are people that handicap the draft very well, professionals here, Mm -hmm. but this idea of everybody betting on the draft is a bookmaker's dream. I'll say it like that. (laughs) For me, my NFL season begins the day after the NFL draft, and I say that because the NFL draft is the one time in the season where the teams are honest with you. And I can look at the Bears. I can look at any team's draft. And that clearly shows and displays to me how they look at themselves and where they feel they need some improvements, coupled with off-season trades. So rather than try and predict what a team's going to do, and we know the NFL is not going to tell you what they're right. going to do. They, they may throw some head fakes out there, but if you think you know what's going on behind the closed doors of an NFL uh, uh, general office, front, front office, I, I think you're fooling yourselves. And so I prefer to read what happens in the draft to then make my assumptions and conclusions on how the team looks, and then my season begins. And before we get out of here, we talked a little bit off air. We both have a lean in hockey today. Do you want yes. to give out what, what you like on yeah, the board? Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at, uh, what game was it that I saw? Oh, Sharks and Wild. Both teams played last night. Sharks now got to travel out to the Wild. Uh, why would I say that is because the, the number one goaltender, and I'm, and I'm looking at under six and a half here at the South Point. Now, that i got to pay minus 120. Uh, w- with two teams off back-to-back, you think they could be lethargic and the goals will be a plenty. That's how they're betting it. But my angle here is that the Sharks' first string uh, netminder, Krona, is not playing. Who's playing instead? Uh, K- Kekkonen. Yeah. Excuse the pronunciation again. Better than what I would have done. <laughs> Kekkonen is being shopped, and teams want him. I believe today would be a perfect time for him to have the spotlight on a team that gives him no help. 
This guy's going to stand on his ears this afternoon to stop everything. I like the under because I believe Kokonen is is looking for a team where he can go and realize his dream of hosting, hoisting. And so that's the angle for the under in that game. Under on San Jose and the Wild. Again, San Jose. Hold your nose. Hey, look, San Jose uh, at the beginning of the year looked like could be historically bad. And it's just been a normal bad team. Yeah. (laughs) Um, They've over, they've exceeded uh, expectations. I I would, I would agree. Hey, look, tying it back to your neck of the woods, kind of like this year's Arizona Cardinals, who we thought, would be historically bad. Arizona Cardinals are just a normal bad team this they, year. They play. They played for that coach, and, sure and did. Kyler Murray came back with a little bit of an attitude, mm-hmm. positive as opposed yep. to the one he had before because of the injury. I think. Yeah, and that's a uh, look. We'll, we'll have you back when we get closer to the NFL season. Sure, we'll you. we'll uh, we'll be able to, uh, as you said, post draft. <laughs> we'll be able to really dive in and look. There's nothing wrong with talking football, but we are in a great part of the year. Uh, college hoops, NBA, NHL. By the way, UConn up three late first half, and now one in stores in the only college hoops game going. Lou, and pleasure of course, as always. before we get into yeah. a oh, Stanley Cup playoffs, we'll have course, a back. Yeah, we'll yeah, have a back as well. Series uh, next month. Um, <clears throat> season ends a little later than usual. It ends April twenty first. I'll I'll take it. Uh, you know, it's gonna, that means it bleeds into June, and yeah. so now you know if you're going to play in Florida or if you're going to play in Tampa or if you're going to play in Las Vegas. Now Las Vegas isn't a good example because the ice is so good. Right. Uh, but some of those older barns that don't have good ice, that ice gets slushy and that can affect play. Yeah. Well, we saw it. We saw it in the playoffs last year in South Florida, uh, especially in the Eastern Conference. Dallas side. too. Dallas. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Will be a be ni- nice. Let's not uh, nice get out without letting me thank you all for having oh, me course. on. I watch your show. This is a great, authentic show. Having Vinny and Chris and Jimmy on, uh, a couple of a bunch of old timers like me. But I'll tell you what, I always learn by listening to you and them. We we do as well. Yeah. They are uh, yes. Uh, they they are a treasure trove of knowledge no uh, with all their experience. All of them forty plus years in Nevada alone behind the counter. Lou Finacaro, everyone. Thank you for being with us. Thanks so much. As always, Alex, you and Matt never to hear tomorrow. Yes, back tomorrow. And Tuesday, uh, getting you ready for the week uh, coming ahead. That's 3 o'clock tomorrow afternoon. I'm Jeff Parles. This has been Sports by the Book. We'll see you again here at the South Point Studio next time.